Welcome to another episode of the Fanzone Podcast. Your home for all things Bolton Wanderers, up the trotters, the Northwest's number one podcast. Good evening, ladies and gents. Welcome back to another episode of the preview, episode three, and it's brought to you by us here at the Fanzone Pod. Pleasure to have you all with us. Uh, we've got another special guest. We're uh, we're building up our contacts list. This time we're joined by Joe from Charlton Live. Thank you very much for joining us, Joe. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you very much. Uh, it's been a been a long week, so looking forward to hopefully some good news at the Valley tomorrow. But after seeing you boys last season, I'm not not 100 sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's certainly looking up to be a good game. Chris, how are you this evening, mate? Yeah, good, good. Yeah, just um, getting myself prepared for a, a long day tomorrow. Heading down to the smoke. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's hard to distinguish. Obviously, being a thick northerner. Yeah, obviously, which part of London I'm going to and what have you, but it's London, isn't it? So, uh, yeah. yeah, looking forward to it, but all good. Absolutely. Fantastic. So, without further ado, we'll jump straight into another episode of The Preview. So, as always, for those of you who are watching along at home, get your comments in as we go along. Get your questions in if you want to find anything out about Charlton Athletic. Then we have the man right here, Joe. So, Charlton Live, tell us a bit about them. How long have they been around? Obviously, before we went on air, you uh, revealed to us just how many of you there are involved with it. And uh, it'd be a good one to share because I'm sure yeah. probably not many people know outside of it. So, so go on. Fill us in. Tell us all the deets. Uh, uh, you started off with a question I don't actually know the answer to. I don't know when it started. Um, I'll, I'll have to um, get on to oh, the I know. historian. Oh, there we I, go. I, I know, <laughs> please, please, sir. Well, well for, from, from my, my research, I mean, the thing that jumps off the page at me is the number of subscribers you've got. Is obviously sort of pro rata to the size of the club and why is phenomenal. Is what is it, seven and a half subscribers, seven and a half thousand subscribers on Twitter? The- yeah, so, the thing that you do have to remember with that, of course, is that um, supporting Charlton has very much been a drama um, and yeah. a roller coaster. So there's, there's never not anything to talk about normally. Yeah. Um, and actually, off the pitch seems to be going relatively smoothly at the minute. So we're waiting for the next <laughs> disaster. But Don't jinx it. Um, yeah, there's always there's there's quite a lot to get through. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's that, that doesn't that doesn't hurt. But yeah, there's about. There's 11 of us in total involved um, in, in various different levels. Louis Mendes runs it. Yeah. Um, a phenomenal amount of work that he puts in following Charlton. I don't know how, how he finds the time and has a job, but uh, he's he's sort of the uh, coordinator. And then he's got a ragtag bunch of us who uh, contribute a little bit here and there and give our opinions and uh, uh, normally moan. Uh, but we've been a little bit more sort of positive last few weeks. And then we uh, went and scuppered all of that hope um, on Tuesday yeah. via turning out a truly woeful performance against against Lincoln. So uh, hopefully we'll bounce back, but we'll have yeah. to wait and see. Did, did I, um, as I say, I, I, did, I did some research. I'm, I'm the, the resident nerd. Um, so it was originally Charlton News, like sort of 10 years ago, and it's kind of Charlton Live's kind of grown out of, grown from that, or 
Well, if you if you go back to the the proper origins, it would have been Charlton Chat, I suppose, have been the first sort of version of this. And this was on uh, done on on the radio by a chap called Steve Sutherland, uh, who was working for the club at the time. Uh, but it was very much local radio, so genuinely people would drive into the frequency area that they could receive it, sit in their cars and listen. Um, so that was the very first origin of it. And then uh, this is the, this is where the sort of modern Charlton lifers. Um, then, then come through and we was live for a number of years recorded down at the valley um in a little studio down there and then obviously covid happened and and that mm. that wasn't possible anymore so we were just doing um really recordings and and podcasts that would be put out later but uh we joined the youtube sort of vibe about a year ago now and um uh, we get about a thousand streams on each show now so decent decent following considering it's only about eight thousand season ticket holders, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I think it's about three and a half thousand listeners to each show um, on the on the podcast side of it. So decent numbers of people tuning in. Um, you know, we're sort of a fan group slash Samaritans helpline, all rolled into one. So um, it's it's uh, it's good fun. But you know, we're 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 getting to talk a bit more about the football now. So um, fingers crossed that will stay here for uh, for the foreseeable. Happy days. No, that's Absolutely. great. Yeah, that's a- there's a lot of parallels. You mentioned the the years and the, the struggle and depression and flights of clubs and stuff. It, it it's quite uncanny the sort of comparison and the similarities between ourselves and Charlotte and it's um striking in terms yeah. of similarities. It's horrible, isn't it? When you think think the club's going under, we've had a few of those over the last few years where you sort yeah. of sit there season after season thinking, are we going to keep the doors open this time? And um, I, I don't know as much about um, your, your guys' sort of exact plight, but I, I don't know if you quite had as many con men and uh, fake shakes involved as we have over the years. Um, but it's, it, like, it's, it, it's nice to see clubs in both situations coming through various different financial positions and ownership issues and, and getting to a position where they're putting good football on and, and getting players and fans and everything back engaged with, with a positive story as opposed to mm-hmm. campaigning to keep, keep the club alive and, and where it is. Um, and we're still not out the woods with ownership. You know, we've got, we're owned now by a consortium with Charlie Methven involved. Yeah. And obviously the Sunderland fans are very complimentary about him um, as I'm sure we're all aware. And, uh, but Roland de Chalet still owns the ground and the training ground. So, um having been no ah. and lost our ground once already in our history we still don't own it and we've only got 12 years left on a lease so um even when things are starting to get better you still got the the scary thing down the road yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and really the only way that gets resolved is if we get promoted to the prem because then we can afford the 60 million quid that the uh person who has the assets wants for it um so that wow. get around that and he wants that because he was promised it once by a bloke who had absolutely no intention of buying it and bought the club for a quid and then spent every penny in the bank um so that's how you end up in these situations but uh you know it's there's certainly clubs in much worse positions um likes of berry and even south end have, have really gone yeah. even further so you every day you're thankful you're not one of them and uh you'll find that fans of clubs who've been through the uh, ringer it's a great little community and everyone's together and and sort of against bad owners and dodgy characters and Mm. uh pro fans sort of being front and center and owners just being stewards of clubs because that's really all they are um it's a funny business model but 
you, you're not you're not proper unless you're died in the wall fan, are you? No, no, it's good. I think it, it's useful you, you you mentioning that because obviously, like I said, we all know the position that we've been in, referring to the view, the viewers who are on tonight. Um, we're all familiar with it, but I think it puts it into perspective when we're moaning about the size of these brand new LED screens that we're putting up in the corners of the ground and this, that, and the other. That I ain't going to go down the, the the route of we should be glad that we've got a club, but I think sometimes a bit of perspective like that is it, it is necessary when you hear stories like you're telling us today, Joe. Um, of uncertainty as somebody's mentioned in the chat it's sad and it is you know it's it's in, integral you know a community without a football club isn't one anymore um so yeah well, well at least tomorrow we can uh we can sing at you that our screen's bigger than yours then by the sounds of it so because uh, yeah. our, our one in the corner is massive <laughs> yeah I, I remember it from last season i, I was there about about this big um, <laughs> But, but they're really, really good resolution, Joe. So that that's that's always always a bonus. And um, yeah, there you go. Sorry, anyway. Sorry, I'm cutting across you, Ben. I'm uh, taking over. No, the body. that's okay. There's uh, certainly a long record of games for for Bolton and Charlton. I think 15 in total, right the way from the Premier League to the Carabao Cup to the Championship, and now, of course, in League One. Uh, and thankfully he didn't have the pleasure of facing us in League 2 uh, but there's been certainly some games uh, between the two sides but let's have a look at, at Charlton's season so far and we'll dive a little bit that into that uh, with you Joe if you don't mind Yeah, uh, well so we're on, on manager 2 of the season um, Dean Holden, we actually I think we're the first club this season sat, sat their manager I'm yes, fairly sure no one else beat yeah, us in, in, in that. Um we got off to yeah, we got got off to a winning start, one nil against Leighton Orient, and I'll be honest, mm. we were a bit lucky. Um so that, that sort of was the writing on the wall really for our season at that stage. Um and we were still massively short of players um when we came into the season because the takeover only sort of went through sort of mid window. Um, and they still hadn't got everybody involved that they wanted to get. So we had a technical director in, in Andy Scott coming in. He didn't get there until two weeks before the window closed. Um, so you had sort of a hybrid of the old ownership starting the, the the acquisitions or the transfer window, the new ownership finishing it off. So, yeah, so you had that background. Um, and then we just couldn't buy a win. And things really from last season, uh, people, especially our defenders, just turning off. Um, or buffering for a period of time while opposition strikers waltzed in or found themselves in an acre of space in the box and just tucking their chance away. Um, so we were very generous at the back and, and we were struggling really to, to tuck the chances away in the right way up front. And we, we had a number of injuries in the squad as well, which wasn't helping in that creativity space, but we were lacking in it, it with players that could create opportunities. So um, that sort of came to a head at Oxford away, um, which mm. I had the pleasure of being at, where Dean Holden played our left back at centre mid and our left winger at left back. Um, and even then, when we made a substitution to bring on a left back, uh, oh, sorry, another central midfielder, the uh, left back went to left wing and the left winger went to left back. They were that confused that they'd forgotten what? which position they actually played in. Um, and then he was sacked immediately after that game. Um, and it, to the surprise, actually, of, I'd say the majority of fans, um, I was 
a bit more okay with it, I'd say, than the most, just because of the kind of the patterns. But but there was certainly he was a good bloke. You can't get yeah. away from that. Man, great isn't he, Dean? Yeah. But the the challenge was the challenge was the tactical elements, and we we, mm-hmm. we were second best last season and this season and start, and then. Um, we got Mickey Apples in, who is Michael Appleton is his full name, but he you won't hear him called that in South East London. I've got it in, I, I put it in my notes. It's like, as I was doing my research earlier today, it was just coming up time and time again. Mickey Apples, Mickey Apples. It's like, what is all that about? I, I think Louis Mendes said it once, and then from then it stuck. Um, right. that's how, I suppose that's uh, kudos to his importance. Uh, so, yeah, so Mickey Apples um, came in and got, and, you know, he's, he's done well. He lost his first game on Tuesday, but before then yeah. we'd won or drawn every everything else. Um, yeah. But we still have yet really to put a 90-minute performance together, and we've got enough players in that squad that are not capable of doing 90 minutes of performances. I don't see that changing anytime soon. Mm. So um, if, I think the watch out for tomorrow will be if we start badly, it, we're probably going to get a result. And if we start well, then uh, just don't concede too many. And then you'll have plenty of opportunities when we switch off in the second half of the game. So uh, that's very much been the pattern of play. Uh, but there's there's some talented players in that squad. Yeah, if they're on song, then then they can cause problems. But we've also got the people that fall asleep, and if they're not on form, then uh, they can cause us problems as well. <laughs> yeah, it's weird actually. We we sort of putting it into segments like that, and you think about how we've been playing and our the trend that we've seen developing is that we first half really really powerful. And then the second half, there's a, noti- a notable sort of drop-off um, right up until the last game, which was away on Tuesday night at Wickham, where we were 2-0 up. And then the beginning of the second half, we conceded early, proceeded to lose our lead to all, and then we kind of kicked on again. But it's been that that bit where we kicked on again hasn't really been um you know, a trend this season at all. We've just been a, a, a team of two out, starting well and ending quite badly. So it's quite interesting. It's a bit of a sort of dichotomy, really, in terms of, of how each team plays. And when you put it on top of each other, it could it's going to be hard to predict, I think. I think all the goals might be at the, uh, in front of the covered end then, um, based on how our season has gone, because we'll probably go in 4-0 at half-time and maybe scrape a 4 all um, if that's the way that your games are going. Yeah, But uh, it's, it's one of those, at this level, you struggle to get the, the calibre of squad, don't you, that, that string 90-minute performances together always, and you can't have too many of them in your squad. You can carry a couple, but you can't you can't carry you know four or five in your, in your starting lineup. I agree uh, with that, totally. But, I think as well, and similar to yourselves, if you try and play in the right way, and I guess that the objective is for, for most managers, and I don't think Everett's any exception, is you, you try and mirror Guardiola and De Zerbi in the way that you play in at League One level, both mentally and physically. It's just way too taxing to play attractive football and sustain it for a 90-minute period. It just doesn't doesn't work yeah the one thing that does give me a little bit of hope for tomorrow is i remember you guys having a lot of the ball and a lot of play being very far up the pitch um and pushing players on one of the things that we do seem to be doing pretty well is breaking quickly on teams at the minute um and we've got 
you know, some uh, Corey Blackett Taylor on the wing is yeah. is lightning quick. Yeah. Uh, so if we can release him down the side, May is quick as well and scores goals. Then then we could end up with situations where we've got some some balls across the box and and those flat crosses that are just tap ins. Uh, but we are going to have to be on our game and, and mentally switched on for 90 minutes defensively mm-hmm. um, and 90 seconds um, sometimes is a bit of an ask. So 90 minutes could be a real challenge. We'll see. <laughs> we'll, see we'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah. Is that yeah. where you see Charlton's strengths lying then in terms of, you know, counter-attacking pretty fluidly, um, perhaps winning the ball high up the pitch or deep in your own half and, and then driving it at, at Bolton? Do you think that's where you'll likely find your success on Saturday? Uh, if we don't move the ball forward quickly, we end up in a real situation where we end up with a flat front four and at times even a flat front six this season um, because the wingers push right up striker may's playing in behind he's right up as well and you end up your two center backs your two holding midfield players and then we're hitting long balls so uh if we don't get the ball forward quickly our, we tend to break down a little bit and struggle to get through the teams but if we get the ball moving through the thirds at pace then that whole pattern of pushing people up quick then really comes into its 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 own strength um and that's where we're getting those spaces and those opportunities and if you look through our game against Reading, where we won four nil, um, there was the referee actually blew, and we were just about to be five because we had a two on two players breaking through, and uh, it was just at the end. And there'd been two or three where we'd moved the ball pretty quickly forwards, use that space on the inside or the outside, or even just straight in behind the centre backs to to go and playing balls down the side of a back three is something mm-hmm. that Appleton likes to do, and we started well doing that on Tuesday, and then um, oh, and then fell asleep. But it, when that was working well, we were we were dangerous in those transitions. But as I say, we're just as dangerous coming the other way in transitions. Um, so uh, it's we're, we're seeing a lot of goals, and I don't think that trend is going to change anytime soon. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll certainly be up there for one of the more entertaining sides, I'd reckon, over the course of a season. Um, and, and May is a, a sort of an embodiment of that. He's on course for about thirty-five goals at the minute if he carries this this trend up uh and so you've got you've got players that are informed that are uh, are are able to excite and get people off their feet off their seats even yeah absolutely it's uh certainly going to be a tough challenge for the wanderers and i think transitional games really don't suit us very well at all we prefer to to take control of the game and hold on to the ball and there's been instances where in transition we've been caught out really quite poorly. I think Carlisle at home was a really good example of that where, you know, they picked up the ball and all it took was was one, you know, good attempt at carrying the ball forward and they were through and, and we all know what happened there. Um, so in terms of individual players, perhaps, obviously Alfie May, currently top goal scorer on nine. Um, Corey Blackett-Taylor with nine goal contributions as well. Some some fantastic players going forward. You've also got uh, the young lad Tyrese Campbell, who seems to be making an impact. Uh, is there anyone else there that we need to be watching out for and, and, and that Wanderers fans should, should keep a close eye on? Uh, so, you've got, well, we've got Miles Leeburn as well as a youngster who's, yeah. I think, six foot four and I think he's either 19 or 20. There's a couple of Prem clubs monitoring him. I think he's got 22 goals in 50 appearances for us so far um 
so it isn't bad going. Um, that stat might be completely wrong, but it's, it's, <laughs> it, he's, he's, he's certainly on form this season in terms of his goals per minute. He'd be right up there for uh, towards the top of the league. So you've got him who's a physical presence. You've got May, who's just an, an absolute nuisance. Yeah. Um, Blackett Taylor with his pace. Tyrese Campbell's got a trick. But one of the players that I think is most exciting for us to watch at the minute is Louis Watson in central midfield on loan from Luton because um, he doesn't mind mixing it up. But he carries the ball really, really well. Uh, it brings other people into into play, and he will turn and and run at run at you if he gets the opportunity. So uh, he could be quite dynamic in the middle uh, to, to to watch uh, from that side of things. But it all depends on who's on form on the day. Like Blackett Taylor is probably one of the best, if not the best, winger in the league on his day, but he can also just not get anything out of him over the course of 90 minutes. And you sort of wondering, was he even there? One one game, he had six touches all game uh, in 60 minutes and just didn't get himself involved. So he can have those games and then he can have three assists in, in 90 minutes. So it all depends on, on that, really. I think the team will be interesting tomorrow because we made four changes um, and the mentality was criticised quite heavily by Appleton after the game. Um, and a couple of those players are ones that I think are are some of our mentally weaker in terms of being present for 90 minutes. So I'm hoping that we go back to where we were on Saturday with that lineup a little bit more. Um, but maybe with Tyrese Campbell over Tedich. Um, because I just I like wingers wide rather than strikers wide. I think they cause more problems. And with your three, I don't mm. think it's gonna be a physical game that we're gonna win. I think it's gonna have to be pace and trickery down the yeah. down the outside of your centre backs. That's where we're gonna get our joy. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if we go that way or if we do man up physically. Which side does um, Blackett Taylor play on, Joe? Left. He's he's on the left-hand side. Um, okay. So that's, you know, hopefully your right back is slow and your left back is quick. That'll be the right way around for us. <laughs> Our full-backs normally aren't even there. Okay. They're right. Right. <laughs> usually right. somewhere about 50 yards up the pitch. Yeah, yeah. So we won't be tracking them back, so they're going to... They'll have lots of space. We won't be tracking them back too aggressively. So uh, yeah. they'll be all right. Colin, one of our, our hosts, has commented that we, we rested um, one of our new players this season, Randall Williams. Uh, well, sorry, he was with us tail end of last season, but he's really just started to come into form since he signed from Hull this season. He's really showed us what he's all about. However, he was rested uh, on Tuesday night at Wickham. And it would be him that Blackett Taylor will be coming up against. So Collins made a really good point. Maybe that's the reason why Everett rested Randall Williams in preparation because he's played more minutes than he has done for a long time. He has some real injury issues at Hull. <laughs> so he's been playing a lot of football, a lot more than he's been used to. So that kind of makes sense now. So maybe... Blackett Taylor's reputation has preceded him there. And his reputation will will do. He'll be one that, again, I think him and Lee Byrne will be a real challenge to hold on to in, in January um, with the way that Blackett yeah. Taylor... I don't think Blackett Taylor transitions up, actually, to the championship myself. I don't think his end product and his decision-making will, will go to that level um, unless it's at a team who's struggling to stay up themselves. But uh, certainly his pace. I mean, if he, if he had decision-making, he'd be playing for one of the top sides in the, in the country probably but wow. unfortunately he doesn't that but his pace is that good it's a real it is a real game changer in, in and of itself 
and it enables him to make really bad decisions time and time again because he gets lots of opportunities to make them. Uh, but you don't get that luxury at the high level, do you? That's the challenge. No, you don't. No, absolutely. Going to head over and touch on an injury update for both sides now. So stay tuned and we'll bring that to you very shortly. <laughs> you'll also have to let us know what you think about the new graphics obviously coming swiftly at you with uh kermit the frog just let us know what you think of the new ones we'll uh <laughs> we'll previews that with me just prior to joe coming online it's the first i'd seen of it and um yeah sorry it, it tickles me the fact that we've got i think kermit it's uh, fantastic personally so joe over at Charlton Athletic, what's the injury situation looking like? Are there any key players out for you? Any, you know, bodies that might just be about on the cusp of coming back? What's the latest? Yeah, in- injuries are a touchy subject. Um, we've wow. just lost Chucks and EK to another injury. Um, oh, and right, apparently yeah. it's a long-term one, a couple of months. I mean, he, he doesn't have short-term ones, I'll be honest. But um, he is uh, going to be a massive miss, although it's a miss we used to have him. <laughs> Um, we've got Terry Taylor um, in in midfield as a player we got uh, for a development fee from Burton, uh, but he hasn't really played too much, so he's not a, a big miss. Um, and then we've got the likes of Fraser who are coming back from injury, um, who are just sort of establishing themselves. Tyrese Campbell's just back from injury, getting himself into the side. Um, so there's there's a few players about. Um, Tyo Eden, I think it'll be too soon for him. Pan Kamara's just back from injury. You see a theme here. Um, so we've got a few a few players that are on just on their way back or out for a fairly long time still. Uh, but the most important thing is the the core group outside of Anika that have been playing week in, week out are are all pretty much still fit and ready to go. So we will have a fairly consistent squad. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe just one or two changes um for, for more tactical rather than actual injury reasons. So we'll see. Absolutely. Very much a, a touchy subject for, for Wanderers fans as well. I think we're just about coming over the hill on that front with yeah. Mendez Gomez due back, I believe, possibly for Saturday. I know he's been back out training with the lads. Uh, obviously, Kyle Dempsey, probably one of the biggest misses at the minute with a fractured vertebrae. They've been playing through for quite a while. Um Obviously, we saw Magoma back for 65 minutes against Wickham uh, and Zach Ashworth. I think his injury status is still unknown. Um, I'm not quite sure where he's up to. We've not heard much. Yeah, I've not seen anything on that. If anybody in the chat can elaborate on that, it's not been mentioned in any of the press press conferences leading up to the game as to his status. So if anybody's got any updates on that, feel free to, uh, to share. Absolutely, but obviously Santos back in the fold now, well and truly, uh, and bodies slowly but surely coming back, which is really good to see. Who, from a Wanderers perspective, Joe, are you not looking forward to facing? Uh, Santos is a uh, massive chap plays in the centre of defence, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He angered me. sometimes. He, he really is. He, he angered me so much last season. Um, I just, <laughs> I was just fed up of watching him swat things away like they didn't exist. Uh, I played I played rugby once with Britain's strongest man at the time at inside centre and I was at outside centre. And it reminded me of that. It was just men against boys. <laughs> it was really just like, I just do what I want. Um, but I mean, I suppose for me, 
if you've got anyone that's got half a liquor pace up front, I'm worried about them being against Michael Hector and just we switch off for runs drifting in behind. So that'd be a massive, a massive problem. But I think more than more than the individual players, I'm worried about the system uh, mm. that you guys actually employ and the way in which you build from from back to the front and the way that you yeah. move us around. I genuinely think you could make some changes and still cause quite, us quite a lot of problems in terms of that movement. And it's something we haven't come up against yet in Mickey Apple's tenure. So uh, seeing how we do sort of turn off and, and have those lapses, I think it could be a real day of being put to the sword and it could it could be a bit of a cricket score if we don't get that right. Uh, and those patterns of play, like I remember them last season. I was amazed you boys didn't go up. Um, and I was on the Sheffield Wednesday pod and they asked me for the reaction afterwards after they'd luck to win against us. Um, and uh, obviously they were giving it the big and that they're one of the best sides ever to exist. Um, and my feedback to them was, you, you know, you know, we're near a Bolton. Um, that's how I felt after wow. watching you guys at the Valley at last season and then watching them. So it'll be that side of it, I think, um, that scares me more than the individuals. Mm. Um, when when you're playing some of the lesser teams in this league, they normally have like one or two that sort of do something, but it's not not consistent in terms of the just the movement and the just the strain that you put a defence under. I think uh, it's what it was one two games I saw last season, but they they both stood out as as being chalk and cheese in terms of the level that we would need to get to to be competing with you guys. So. Interesting. Very, very strong words, mm. and hopefully yeah. uh, Wanderers can live up to that. Uh, I'm sure it's going to make for an interesting game. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, I, for one, am looking forward to it. Chris, what are you? how are you feeling? Um, well, for those who know me know that I go into no game with any level of optimism. Um, Tuesday night being the last example, that win at Wickham was... Um, a pleasant surprise, should we say? But um, I think I think I'm pretty much consistent with everybody else. I think there's a lot of predictions going around for high-scoring draws, two twos, three threes, all sorts of permutations coming up. Um, I, I think I'm I'm thinking a two-all draw, um, and as a result, as you know, a game as part of a run, quite a difficult run, I'd be delighted with a draw um, without being too pessimistic. Joe, can we get a score prediction from you? Well, you boys haven't drawn in five. Um, no. So that that sort of makes me think that a draw could be could be on the on the cards. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with three two Bolton because I think that we'll probably give a con concede the lead we'll probably draw it back and then we'll we'll probably just then throw it away right at the end with a, a moment of madness and we don't have chucks if we had chucks i'd be saying the other way around because him yeah. coming on for the last 30 minutes even I'm against santos I'd, mm -hmm. I'd actually be interested to see chucks against santos i think chucks would do him for strength yeah. um so if if it was that way around i'd be a bit more confident but i'm not i'm not overly confident going into tomorrow and it'll be um, one of those, I think, in the bar beforehand, we'll be talking about 
you know, it's going to be a tough day at the office and yeah. we'll be, well, we got away with it probably if we get the win. <laughs> um, so I think that'll be the the vibe down at the river. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but. Is that is that you leading into a, a really really classy plug there, Joe? By any chance? Hey, always a plug. If, uh, like if Bolton it. fans want want a decent pint of cask ale or pale ale, um, then uh, the River Ale House is away found away fans uh, are, are loud. Um, it's my pub, so um, yeah, definitely come down and have a chat before or after. Um, it's a nightmare getting on a train. So it's walkable and there's buses, so it's well easy to get to the grounds as well. So just just remind the viewers what. What's the what's the boozer called again? The River Ale House. There you go, ladies and gents, for a pre-match tipple of quality. So welcoming away fans, the River Ale House. And you yeah. say it's how far away from the ground, Joe? It's a twenty-minute walk, or there's a bus that literally goes from us to the stadium, uh, right wow. outside, door to door. So um, I think there's two buses actually, uh, but I'm always walking, so. I know I don't actually know the bus routes. I should probably learn them. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. Get yourself over there, Wanderers fans. And uh, thank you all for joining us this evening and safe travels to any of you going down there tomorrow. Joe, thank you very, very much for joining us. We really do appreciate it. Always a Cheers, pleasure. Mate. Thanks, Joe. Cheers, boys. Well, thanks everyone for watching. And for now, we'll catch you until the next one. Take care.